This is Dr. Saba Maruf, and you are listening to Unsung Heroes, uncovering stories of inspiration and action here on Podcast Detroit. Where'd you want to go? everybody and welcome back to another episode of Unsung Heroes Stories to Inspire here on Podcast Detroit and we are back with episode 30. 30. I can't believe it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes, we're if, back this, with episode 30. If this episode was let, let's say it was a person and I was young and dumb and still dating, I would no longer be able to go out with this show because we reached that <laughs> Yeah, I, <laughs> okay. I was a jerk in my day. Is that bad? Days. Yes, yes. Like, oh, you're 30. I can't go out with you anymore. Oh, I was a like horrible person. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Th- just thought I'd start the show with how novel- horrible of a person I was. We've lost our novelty a little bit. Yeah, and okay. I'm 38 now, so really, I can't <laughs> talk. The same <laughs> oh well, welcome everybody. Um, uh, we're here on Unsung Heroes. Our purpose is to share amazing stories and unique narratives of individuals who have been sparked by their passion to become movers, shakers, and change makers in our communities. And really, we hope that by sharing these stories of positivity, we will inspire you to live a life of purpose and action. And actually, we have an action-packed uh, studio here today. This is kind of yeah, fun. Yeah, it's, it's pretty full. Yeah, we have some ex- some fun um, co-host. I, I always accompanied by my awesome co-host Calvin. That's me. Who's here? Although I was terrible when I was dating, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and our sound engineer Jess. Hello. And actually, uh, my husband is here in the studio today. This is his first time being here. Hello. What up, what up? <laughs> I'm really happy to have him. Fasahat Hamzavi. Hamzavi. And our special guest of the day, actually, here with another special guest. I know. Um, well, I'm going to introduce Hannah Bear first. <laughs> she can't really say hi. Say hi, Mom. But our um, unsung hero of the day, Amanda Saab and her baby, uh, Hannah. Hi, <laughs> thank you so much for having me. We're so excited to be here. Oh, we're so excited to have you. And um, we're going to be talking to Amanda, and you're going to learn all about her. But she brought some amazing treats, some brown butter. I'm going to mess up the salted con- brown butter, salted chocolate brown chip butter, chocolate chip cookies. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so, so we have a lot going on. You're going to today. hear a lot of crunching on today's yeah. episode, just so you know. <laughs> we might, yeah, forget we're supposed to be talking. and just yeah. If you hear the door open and shut, that's me going to get some milk. Yeah. <laughs> so. But I'm so excited. Thank you so much for being here today, Amanda. Um Amanda was born and raised in Dearborn, Michigan, where she learned her love for cooking and baking from her mother and grandmother. And she completed her master's degree in uh, social work from Wayne State University. And um, after that, her uh, Amanda and her husband Hussein moved to Seattle, Washington. And it's there that she really began her food blog, amandasplate.com, which she's going to talk about today. And her passion for food and sharing really led her to come um, on many avenues, one of which was to compete on MasterChef, the world's largest food competition, largest food competition. And she was the first woman, actually, a visibly Muslim uh, woman wearing hijab to appear on the American version of the show. And um, she actually earned a MasterChef apron and continued to shine in the competition. Um, Amanda and Hussein began uh, their project, Dinner with Your Muslim Neighbor, in January 2016 after Amanda experienced hate speech online and really saw the rise of anti-Muslim rhetoric in the presidential campaign that year. Um, in August, Amanda and Hussein welcomed their daughter, Hannah, into the world. And now um, 
in addition to baking amazing goodies and creating amazing um, food creations, she also serves as the director of social services at Zaman International, which is a nonprofit in southeast Michigan that serves women and children facing poverty. And after her maternity leave, um, Amanda's uh, goal is to focus on Zaman's new culinary arts kitchen. So we're super excited to have you here, Amanda, and I'm really looking forward to you sharing your story and your voice. Thank you so much. Um, and actually, Calvin's wife stopped by, too. Oh, hey. <laughs> Jennifer, how are you? There she is. How do you can. No, I know she's got to pop back out of here, but uh, she was driving by. So she's Hello, like, oh. everybody. <laughs> so, Amanda, I'm so happy that you're here. Um, thank you so much. I know it's not easy traveling, especially with a little baby, so I really appreciate your time. And I know that can come with a lot of anxiety, and sometimes it's just easier to just cuddle up and stay home with the baby, but I appreciate She's it. She's super supportive of everything we do. So. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about how you started, you know, cooking and realize that this was your passion. So I, I have fond memories of cooking with my mother, um, just standing on a step stool in the kitchen and her allowing me to stir, you know, the batters and then licking the spoon and the whisks. I mean, that was always my favorite part. <laughs> then eventually I graduated to being able to crack the eggs, which was like a big milestone. I, I don't know what kids love cracking <laughs> eggs while baking. Um, and when I was 16 years old, you know, most people want a car and whatever else. I asked for a KitchenAid stand mixer because all the really cool chefs on Food Network had one. Um, so That's what we have at home, right? Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I, I love it. We have one. So. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's um, the only mixer worth What color is yours? Mine's um, Caribbean blue. Okay. Oh, we have I a like red that one. one. Nice. Right. Ooh. Ooh. Really nice. Mine's silver. classic. I love it. See? <laughs> I wonder what that says about our personalities. Yeah, but too. you're right. It was something you kind of had to, like, it, I didn't get it right away. I kind of felt like it was kind of a luxury. Like, okay, mm-hmm. am I ready? Do I deserve, am I deserving of the KitchenAid stand mixer? Right. You feel like you've never cooked <laughs> or stirred anything until you have that thing. We made some really great food. It's, it's awesome. My mom had one growing up, so it was like, yeah. This is a staple that I want in my kitchen. Yep. It's nice. Well, continue. Sorry. Oh, no. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Yeah. So then after grad school, um, because during college and then grad school, I didn't have much time to cook or bake. But after I was done, like Hussein and I like had a lot more time. And I'm like, okay, we're adults now. We're married. We kind of have to eat. So (laughs) let's like learn how to make some food. So I really just bought a bunch of cookbooks and um, food magazines and just tried recipes and they came out delicious. And then I would post pictures on Instagram and our family and friends would um, ask for the recipes. And I was like, man, I don't have time to like write it up. And they're like, please just share. So I started um, Amanda's Plate, my food blog, four years ago. So, oh, wow. Very, very yeah. Cool. So, um, how'd you get selected for MasterChef, though? Because, I mean, that's, I mean, cooking at home, grabbing the cookbooks, I mean, that's, that's not a common story, but, you know, we have to eat. We go right. shopping for food. We, we've learned a few recipes. They've got stuff online now, like Tasty. And you'll see the videos that come up. And like, no, I'm, I, wasn't, I wasn't hungry, but now I'm hungry. Right. Um, but getting on MasterChef is not anything that we have an aspiration to do. How did that come about? So Hussein and I were actually watching MasterChef. And there was like a call for an open audition. And I said, you know, do you have what it takes? And Hussein's like, you have what it takes. And I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> you're so cheesy. But... I do. I could do this. Like, I can totally cook like this. Um, so we just went online and there was an open audition in LA and it was actually our wedding anniversary weekend. So okay. we're like, okay, let it be our gift to each other and we'll just go down to LA from Seattle. So it was a short flight and wow. we'll just show up and, you know, see what happens. We have nothing to lose. I, I had been blogging for two years at that point. So like 
let's just try and see. Um, so we get down to LA and we realize like, I have to bring a dish to the audition and we were staying in a hotel and Hussein was like, you should just call the hotel chef and ask if you can use their kitchen. I'm like, there is no way they're going to let me use their kitchen. <laughs> He's like, you have nothing to lose. Right. So I guess that was like my first lesson in the whole master chef journey is like, you have nothing to lose. You might as well ask for what you need. So I asked and the chef was absolutely amazing and said, wow. yes, you can use our kitchen. Let me know what ingredients you want. I'll have them ordered. You can use our plates. So you can like have a nice plated dessert when you go. And I was like, oh my God, this is so amazing. So it was like one of the really um, exciting experiences like in the whole like process is like I got to like my first time cooking in like a culinary kitchen and I learned so much from their pastry chefs that weekend. Um, and I made my baklava cheesecake for my audition dish. Wow. And um, I got onto the show. So what was Amazing. it like? So, so you're on the show now. What was it like being the first and I, I want to say only visible Muslim on the show? Because you were, as we read your bio, said you were wearing hijab, right? Uh, so that's very, very visible. What was it like? Uh, what was that part like for you? So I didn't know that I was the first Muslim woman in hijab to appear on this cooking show. And that like was never like my intention. I was like, I'm just going to cook and have fun Mm because I love to do this. It wasn't until the cast was announced. um, It was almost a year like later after like the audition. The audition was in October and then the cast was announced in April the following year. And um, Eater came out with a story and said, first Muslim woman to appear on MasterChef. And I was like, Oh, wow. I didn't know that was a thing. And then it went viral. (laughs) And actually, that was when a lot of the hate and kind of like unkind comments are like, why, why do we care, you know, about her religion? Does she cook? And I'm like, absolutely. Like, but it's still a milestone because, you know, we have to celebrate different people accomplishing things. And, you know, firsts are really important, but that's not what I strove, you know, out to do. That wasn't my intention when I was um, setting out to be on MasterChef. But you got your apron anyway. I did. (laughs) Wow. So for those in our audience that don't know, because I actually, I mean, if they're not familiar with MasterChef, is it like kind of like Iron Chef? Like you're timed, you have, can you... Tell us a little about the sh- about Scored the show and what was your you experience out. like. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a favorite question. We'll get to that. Um, so the competition consists of four different challenges. So there's team challenges, and then there's mystery box challenges. There's Ooh. pressure test challenge, and then after the team loses, you also have challenges. So um, initially, when we first started, um, we were to cook our one of our signature dishes, and mine was a lamb kafta with. Um, Patata hara, but I called it like a jalapeno dusted potato to make it sound like more fancy. <laughs> and then a cement aioli. Um, so aioli is just like a French word for mayo. And then I added cement spice to it. Um, so after that, that's when I earned my Master Chef apron. And then um, we had a mystery box full of different ingredients. And it's time. So you're always under pressure um, cooking and Gordon Ramsay is, you know, watching you cook and coming around and tasting as you cook. Um, he has a, a persona that he puts on on TV. Okay. Um, but he was actually really nice to me. Is he like the Simon of... Yeah, that's what yes. I was yes. like, Simon's yes. like a jerk on TV, <laughs> but really nice when you meet him, that kind of deal. All right. Um, so we actually connected. He asked me what I was doing, and I was working in a neonatal intensive care unit at the time. Wow. And he shared that his twins were born prematurely and were in a NICU like 14 years previously. So I think he kind of had a soft spot for, mm. you know, what I did, the work that I did. Um, and then he was pretty much nice to me after that. Okay. <laughs> wow. Very cool. So what was that experience like for you? How was it competing and being judged and watched? <laughs> yeah. Um, it was exhilarating and absolutely amazing. Um, I didn't realize 
how competitive I was and how much I really love competing until I was there. Um, Were you cutthroat? Did you make any alliances? <laughs> I don't know how the show works. It's not like Survivor, is it, where you like make alliances with people? People like, did. Did they? And I was just like so naive about everything. I'm like, I'm just here to cook. And like everyone would go out and like, you know, sneak out of the Listen, rooms and I'm party. Not gonna put enough sugar and I would in these be cookies. like, you know, quizzing myself and reading uh, recipes and studying my cookbooks and stuff while everyone else was doing all these different things. Hannah's grabbing the mic. I love it. <laughs> She's got She's great like, I have something strength. to say too. <laughs> Are you proud of your mom? Yeah, I was studying while everyone else was doing other things. So. I try to figure out how that would work. Like, all right, I'm not going to put any sugar in these cookies. <laughs> I'm going to do this whole thing. Like, I, don't, I don't even make those alliances. Right? Whatever. But, uh, how do you sabotage things? <laughs> no, I didn't do any of that. <laughs> so now you, so you were in Seattle at the time and you were working as a social worker yep. too. And that's when you were in the, yeah. you're working in the NICU. So I guess, you know, it's um, as a social worker and a chef, um, how do you meld and I know you're going to talk about this later, too. But how do you meld these passions together? Yeah. So I've always like, you know, most people are multifaceted and have so many things they love to enjoy and do. And a lot of times, it's, you know, your your fun passions are sometimes a hobby. But I wanted a way to incorporate that into like my career and my everyday life. And that's like with my blogging, I'm able to do that. And I like to bring awareness to issues I care about around hunger, um, no kid hungry and, you know, nonprofits in the area that I, I work for as a man um, that are combating hunger in our community. So it's so important um, for me to recognize not only my privilege, but also like what a great opportunity I have to share um, and just bring in awareness to the two important causes. Um, because, you know, while I'm having fun baking in my kitchen, mm-hmm. I could have a neighbor um, who's struggling to have dinner. So we want to share and do as much as we can um, to help those who need us the most. So then talk a little bit about uh, Zaman. Is that, is that Zaman, yeah. Zaman. Okay, Zaman International. Tell us a little about the, the new kitchen. When, when, you're, uh, when your maternity leave is up, you're going back and be working in this new kitchen that they have. Can you tell us a little bit about that program? Yeah, I'm really excited. So the main focus of the kitchen is going to be a vocational training for women. Okay. So currently as a man, there's um, sewing vocational training for women um, so that women can be empowered, learn a new skill, a new trade, and can start working with that. Um, there's also ESL classes, and now we have the culinary arts program. So I won't be running that program. Um, Chef Daniela will be running that and during the day, but I'll be focusing more on community classes. Mm. Um, so giving people in the community the opportunity to learn how to cook and bake. Um, so we'll be hosting some classes hopefully later this month. Um, okay. There'll be our first classes. And um, the kitchen will also serve as like a catering uh, kitchen and we'll also be creating meals. They already have started um, preparing meals for families that Zaman serves. So they can come not only, you know, shop in the client choice pantry where they can get their staples and everything they need for the month, but they'll also be able to get a warm meal okay. while they're there. This sounds almost like uh-huh. um, they have a community kitchen somewhat along those lines at Eastern Market they as do well. yes. okay all right so very very cool I like that wow and this is kind of I mean I'm assuming it's also a culmination of other work that you've done in the past what kind of has you know helped kind of um, build this foundation for you that kind of led to this endeavor yeah so as a kid um, my grandparents and my dad they owned a grocery store um in dearborn and we would go down to the eastern market to get stuff Mm -hmm. for the market and um my uncles had a 
fruit stand at the Eastern Market on Saturday. So I have fond memories of being there. And we would actually go down to Cots after, and whatever was left was unsold. We'd take down to Cots. We'd prepare meals. So just like growing up, it was ingrained in me that we we need to share, we need to give. Um, so being able to... Um, and Hannah wants to be have the opportunity to. <laughs> we hope to give her that foundation as well. Um, and it's such an important aspect of Islam. You know, it's one of our five pillars is to give to the poor and needy and pay your alms. So um, it's just a part of who we are and what we do. Wow. So, um, and I know this is the part that Calvin's most excited to talk about too. Oh, am I? Yeah, oh, yeah aren't maybe, you? Right. <laughs> um, yeah, about so. the dinner with your Muslim neighbor project because Calvin was. Um, he came over to your place. That's how we that. met. Yeah, yeah which is so cool. Met. It's just kind of an interesting. I don't know these people. And <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I'm just going to go to their house in like Romulus area, right? We yep. came down to Romulus. We're near, near the airport, and I think you guys had just bought the house. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so they have this beautiful long table, and we get there, mm-hmm. and didn't know anybody, and. Everybody was from different walks of life, and it was so. But I don't, I don't want to ruin this. You tell the story. No, I, mean, I love to hear so, your perspective. No, I, like no, I love this because well, I haven't heard this side of it. No, so. I mean it's 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 cool going in, but you don't know what you're walking into, right? Um, and I think I saw it come across Facebook uh, saying, "Hey, dinner with my Muslim neighbor," and it was right after the election, and everybody was uh, afraid of Muslim people because of you know. You know why. Um, so <laughs> everyone's afraid of Muslims because of the rhetoric of the, of the political season and um, the divisive language that was out there. And so we saw this come across uh, Facebook. I'll let you describe what it's about and why. But I just said to my wife, hey, do you want to go to this dinner? This sounds really cool. And so we uh, we ended up uh, hopping in the car and, and showing up and – there was a nice spread in this big kitchen that we wish we had because our <laughs> kitchen is like narrow and so you can't open the fridge and have the dishwasher open at the same time in our house. Um, but uh, – and they had the, the table set up and we were just meeting people from from all different uh, walks of life who I guess kind of had the same reaction. You know, hey, what is this about? I'm going to go and it was it was pretty cool. And then there was a time during the dinner where you guys are like, all right, lay it on us. What kind of questions do you have? And I was like, all right. Whew. I, I don't know that I'd put myself in that kind of fire, mm-hmm. um, but it was really a very, very unique experience and one that I've told a lot of people about since then. So, Thank you. Yeah. yeah so we actually started the dinners while we were living in Seattle. Um, there's a thing called the Seattle Freeze where it's really hard to meet people if you're a transplant there. Mm-hmm. And we found that to be true. We had a hard time even getting to know our neighbors. And then with just the rise of Islamophobia and then like all the hate speech I was receiving online, I was like, what if like these people are living next door to us and they've never met a Muslim and never had the opportunity to talk to a Muslim and ask him questions. And I, you know, turned to Hussein after watching the evening news and there was, uh, you know, he who must not be named on the TV saying that he was <laughs> calling for a total um, and complete mm. shutdown of Muslims coming into the country. My initial reaction was tears. And I had to like stop. Cause like, that's usually not my reaction to, you know, watching the news. And I stopped myself and I said, you can do something about this instead of just feeling sorry and sad about the situation. Like, let's do something about it. So I turned to Hussein. I'm like, let's have a dinner party and invite strangers over. And he <laughs> said, uh, 
okay because he's <laughs> always supportive and just says you know okay to things that I suggest <laughs> um, so we just like put it on Facebook and everyone's like yeah that's a great idea we'd love to come and there was like 200 responses to like the first post I was like okay we can't host that many people we can maybe do 10 um, <laughs> so we had we hosted a bunch of dinners in Seattle and then once we moved back here in Michigan and got into our own place um, we started the dinners there and you know that long table that you described hussein actually built um for yeah dinner, so yeah, well, you it's really that special really cool yeah one. it's really special um he built so it for the dinners well i mean yeah. for your house yeah for our house we wanted like a really long table so we can fit like all our guests at one table um and he's like so i nice. can build that so wow he did. that's a nice table i mean <laughs> it looks like anything that's that you amazing. would get at restoration hardware or anything it was like i bet you got this at restoration hardware. Was, no i own two ads <laughs> he didn't say it like that. That sounded like really evil and nefarious. But he built this table with his own two hands. And well, I was like picking really out cool. like the really fancy ones. He's like, I'm not paying that much. I can yeah, build yeah. That. <laughs> I can build it for half that cost, <laughs> right. which is really cool. Well, um, through um, so with that, like, what's been the most surprising aspect for you for with this with the dinner with your Muslim neighbor experience? So with each dinner, I think it's like the best dinner yet. And like the people are just like so inspiring and courageous. I mean, to go to a stranger's home, I think is like so courageous and brave. And then to be able to be vulnerable and say like, I don't know this and I'm willing to, um, I'm willing to ask these questions and just be okay with sharing that, you know, I might have some ignorance around Islam and Muslims, I think is just so inspiring to me. Um, so I think like all the guests that are willing to come, because without them, we wouldn't have these dinners. Um, but one of the most surprising stories was actually a woman who came um, who had a debilitating fear of Muslims. Um, and a few years ago, while I was on MasterChef, like saw me on there and said, oh, one of those people is on this American cooking show um, and just had like this hate for me while I was on the show. And then like episode by episode, she said, you know, her heart started to soften and like, oh, you know, she's super bubbly and she's always dressed so colorfully. And I just, you know, by that by the episode that I got eliminated, she said she was crying and was, you know, sad that I got eliminated. And then two years later, she ended up at my dinner table, you know, for dinner with your Muslim neighbor. And it was just so um, inspiring and she's honestly one of my heroes for you know taking such a leap and starting out with such fear and hatred towards Muslims to then coming to our home and sharing and being so open and honest I um, I'll always remember this like she walked in and was like wow your house is normal and looks just <laughs> like ours what do people think is inside of our home? Like, <laughs> like Cirque du Soleil rings right. on the ceiling and swinging around. I was like, what? What makes any sense? But wow, you, you incredible. Know, you know, in in addition, uh, I don't know if uh, Saba told you or if you've seen on Facebook or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't get to tell you when I was there. I think one of the things that really got me to come in the first place wasn't the fact that uh, you were Muslim and that you were going to be asking, you know, answering questions and things like that, or even that you're inviting strangers into your home. And it's, it's, it's novel. It's like, oh, that, that's cool. Um, but it really spoke to something that was innate in me that developed when I was, uh, in grad school. Cause I was in, I was in grad school and I was in Western Michigan and I had a roommate, uh, the roommate from hell. It was like the worst roommate situation. Sorry. And, uh, yeah, it was terrible. But on Friday, Saturday and Sunday, I would go, I would drive 60 miles from Holland, Michigan to Kalamazoo, and I would stay in this home called the Hippie Commune. Mm. Uh, it was just a bunch of people who decided, hey, we're going to live in the same house together, going to pay rent. It was a massive house, and they all paid like 100 bucks, 200 bucks 
a month. Um, and every Sunday they had this big dinner where everybody knew each other, but they valued stopping, talking, catching up. What's your week been like? And there was kind of an agenda to, hey, you know, how can we talk with each other? How can we pray for each other? It was more a, a Christian thing than a Muslim thing, but um, it was still very, very interesting to me. And so I always remembered that's something that I want to do. And then I saw what you were doing. I was like, hey, we're going to come to your house. We just checked it out. And then at that time we came to your house, we lived with my mother-in-law. And interestingly enough, when I was <laughs> we're leaving the house, she remarked, are you wearing – are?" Oh, you're going to a Muslim's house. Are you wearing a bomb vest? And I was like, that's, that's not funny. Said, I'm just kidding. I was like, that's, that's not, that's not funny at all. But when I was there, I was inspired, uh, in a way to when we moved out of her house into our own house to do something along the same lines, not dinner with a Muslim neighbor. I'm not Muslim. Uh, I could do dinner with your Christian neighbor, but I figure there's enough people who are Christian who don't need questions answered too much. So after the political season as well, I hated everybody. And one of the things I realized, I was like, you know what? I might dis- – like one of my best friends, total Trump supporter. I am not. Uh, but I said, you know what? I don't agree with your politics, but we both love chili. <laughs> and so every Sunday we do a dinner at our home where we invite friends, family, and strangers over. And we, we didn't build our own table. Uh, we went to Ikea with the cheap well, you, route. But you built it. I did. I did build it. You I did build it. <laughs> and that's um, a challenge in and of itself. Yeah. yeah well, here's the thing. I'm, I'm the weirdo yeah, who the likes Swedish to build chef. Ikea furniture. Oh, wow. But we got one that extends. I love that. And so every Sunday we have people in our home, which oh. is really, really fascinating. And so I just wanted to thank you oh. for, for inspiring us oh. to do something you know, similar but also different. And, and I think there's something to people gathering around a – a common table and breaking bread with each other that breaks down walls uh, that a lot of people assume are there when in fact they're not there. They walk into your home. Oh my God, your house is so normal because right? mm-hmm. we're normal people. Later on, our baby's going to go to sleep and we're going to watch Netflix just like everybody else, right? You know, so uh, if they sleep. So I just wanted to say thank you. It's really Aww. cool uh, what you guys are doing, and uh, I hope it inspires more people mm-hmm. uh, to do what you're doing. I, I see that you're, you're trying to take it globally. I think that's. Fantastic. So. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, the dinner table is so transformative. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just having even, you know, the single single topic dinners like we do at dinner with your Muslim neighbor, um, where we're focused on a common um on a common oh hey Hannah <laughs> on a common topic and just like focusing on that I think is so important. But the dinners that you're having, just coming together as a community. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just get together and eat. Cause yeah, I think, like there's no agenda for us. There's no questions asked. It's just... I love that. I think, you know, over time, like, we've become, like, so busy as Americans mm-hmm. and we've kind of just, like, lost that, you know, sitting down at a certain time and breaking bread and having dinner. Mm-hmm. And I love that you're being so intentional um, yeah. about that, too. So It takes a lot, though. Yeah, it I, does. So I haven't seen Dinner with a Muslim Neighbor come across uh, Facebook in a while. Have, has it gone on hiatus because you, you've had a baby? Or? Yes. So okay. we, we took a hiatus for baby and also just to spend more time developing the toolkit. Okay. Um, so we're hoping to launch mm-hmm. that in February. Okay. Um, and we hope that dinners will be taking place um, at the same time across the country um, oh, wow. at the same time. Nice. Um, so Dinner with your Muslim Neighbor in all 50 states, hopefully in February. That's oh, our goal. Wow. So, Very cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, no, I think, I mean, that is amazing. And, you know, something that my dad always says is never eat alone. There's yes. something so um, loving and communal about eating together and, you know, of course, like breaking bread. 
Um, so many cultures, you know, you know, say even just saying I love you is like kind of a seen as kind of like an American thing. We don't always say it, but um, I mean, we say it as Americans, but that's not over the world. But like a mother, grandmother, that's how they show their love is through food. <laughs> they might not so say it with true. their words, but they're going to feed you. Yep. Yep. <laughs> My mother-in-law feeds me like nobody's business. So. But we've kind of had, I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, I can't say it's to that extent, but just even opening our home just a few times to our neighbors. Um and I know if it's had totally my husband here, it, like, I mean, and that's why I kind of wanted him to come to this show because I know that he really believes in that too, just like having conversations. And, um, and we've in, uh, we moved, but in our old neighborhood as we were moving and then our new neighborhood, we've had like some gatherings, um, as well, just like having dinner together. And it's just, you know, there's not really, there's, it's kind of, there's no words to kind of describe that experience. It's just, we, you're right. We don't really take the time to get to know our neighbors and the friends even that are living close to us. Do you have anything to say about that experience? <laughs> well, I have something to say about that, but then I also have a totally off-the-wall question after that. But uh, no, in terms of getting together with the neighbors, um, I think just people in general, when we grew up, when we first moved to the United States, which was in the late 70s, uh, neighborhoods were more open. And we would play, like we lived in a neighborhood where there were houses, apartments, and townhomes all in the same kind of vicinity. Mm-hmm. And... Um, kids would just climb over a wall and then we would play a different sport every uh, every day of the summer. And there were people who were Jewish, Christian, uh, people who were immigrants. Uh, it didn't matter. And for children, it doesn't matter at all. And that's what I missed. Uh, and so in the neighborhood that we're in, uh, it was really nice when we did invite our neighbors. They were just more surprised that somebody was inviting them. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, there's something you know, in Islam about, you know, just people within 40 houses of you, um, you, you know, you should be, those are your neighbors. Those, are, And so I would just go around the different cul-de-sacs and around and Saba's like, you know, what are you doing? Um, how many people know, are coming? You know, how many people are coming? So it's very easy to invite people when your wife is cooking. Yeah. <laughs> come on over. Sure. We got enough for everybody. Everybody. Oh. It's just, there's blessings in every bite. So, mm-hmm. um, so it was really, it was really nice. And then when you did get a chance to sit down, it really breaks down a lot of misconceptions. Um, kind of like what you're saying when somebody walks in and, the house looks the same. And and I think that's what we need more of nowadays. And I think that what you're doing is very inspiring. Um, and I think that, you know, even meeting, you know, Calvin and hearing about what, what you've done in your own home, it is, you know, you're appreciating other people coming into your home mm-hmm. and saying how uh, much of a leap it is for them. Uh, and it's just as much of a leap for you and to extend yourself and, and kind of put yourself out there. Um, but it's an inspiration and, and to hear that now it's going to all 50 states, uh, maybe it'll have some uh, impact in the midterm elections. <laughs> um, my off the wall question for you is, um, so when Saba and I first got married, I got her a cookbook uh, for like healthy Indian cooking. And uh, as a as a new husband and wife, um, she came home, she was very proud. I came home from work and she was very proud of this um, uh, fish loaf thing that she had made <laughs> from Dang. the cookbook that I had. He's forgetting all the good stuff I made no. before this. No, she's an excellent out. cook. You, never, excellent you cook. never hear about the planes that land on time. You only hear about the one that crashed, right? Exactly. So let's go with the story, right? Yes, this, this is the plane that crashed. And we're still together many years later. And so it was like this. And, and so she, she had this. She was very proud of it. And so then, but she hadn't, take, she hadn't taken a bite. 
And so I sat down, I took a bite, and quite honestly, it was one of the worst experiences. <laughs> Look, you got me the low-fat Indian any, cook, okay? Any food <laughs> Why would you do that? That has ever entered my mouth. And I was just thinking, you know, how am I going to finish this thing? And we're early in our marriage, I can't really say too much. And so I would just, I kept, I, I swallowed the first bite with the aid of some water, and she's sitting there, you know, wide-eyed and saying, so how is it? And then I didn't know what to say. And then she takes a bite herself. And then, thank God, and this is why I love her so much, is that she kind of, her shoulders slouched down and she said, this sucks. <laughs> and I thought, thank God. So my question to you is that with you being like a master chef and everything, have you had an experience uh, with like a horrible cooking experience and things that just turned out horribly? And how was that? Oh, that's a great question. I wish Hussein was here to answer that. And that's why I love him, too, because he's like brutally honest. And he he's like, you know, everyone else can say your food is great, but I'm going to be real with you and let you know what's going on. Um, So, yeah, I, it's actually an Indian dish. I tried to make like a chicken masala, um, like curry and like, you know, is Indian toast- food just bad. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. All right. I, I don't eat a lot of it. So it's the no, best cuisine you. in the world. There's it a is. theme going on here. Once you like- get it right, I think okay. it's the best. It's just like getting the spice proportions <laughs> right. And then, you know, making sure you have the right cuts of meat if you're using meat in the dish too. So it was like, that's a true chicken. Um, and it, it wasn't, it wasn't so good. And Hussein let me know, like, mm, maybe you should work on that one. And I was like, all right, I will do that. <laughs> We shouldn't serve this to dinner with your Muslim neighbor. You know, what's funny about that story is uh, we were um, we played trivia with some uh, my wife and I played trivia with some friends on Wednesday nights. Their names are Jen and Tim as well. So, uh, well, my name's not Tim, but my wife's name is Jen and her name is Jen. So, um, but but either way, we're out and uh, normally when we go out, they've eaten at home already. But tonight they were ordering food. They're normally like, well, we don't do bar food. We count our calories. I'm like, oh, well, you... but I noticed. I was like, why are you ordering bar food? And <laughs> Jen was like, yeah, I made a, I made a dish tonight, and it, <laughs> it just didn't work out. And same reaction where um, he's eating, and he's, but they've been married twenty years at this point. He's eating, and he's same rules apply. <laughs> first on. year as it does twenty years later. He's eating. He's like, mm, I gotta wolf it down. And she takes a few bites. She goes. Oh, this is gross. He goes, oh, thank God. I I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can do this, honey. Um, So I I think that's hilarious. But, you know, um, something I wanted to bring up and just you you told the story of the woman who didn't like you on the show uh, and then started to like you on the show and then cried when you were no longer on the show. And then she came to your home. Right. I love those kinds of stories. Mm -hmm. And I hope those stories can kind of be duplicated because people ask me, you know, why do you let people in your home? Mm -hmm. You said earlier, um. You might have food on your table, but your neighbor might not, right? Well, we had a woman who came into our home. She's a young lady, uh, and she's probably like 21, 22. And we did the the Sunday – we do it every Sunday from 2 to 5. 2 to 5 in quotation marks because it never ends <laughs> at 5. Um, but we did a dinner, and we did it a full Thanksgiving dinner. So we made the turkey, and then people brought all the sides. Well, one of the ladies who was there was just like, hey, you know, I just – I want you to know – I've only talked to her like a couple times. She goes, my family is really crappy. I have a really crappy relationship with my family, and I am dreading going to have Thanksgiving dinner with them. So thank you for opening your home and letting me have one Thanksgiving that's going to be, you know, something that I can remember and and have fond memories of. And so I lo- that's one of the things that I think come from opening your home to other people. It doesn't just – 
you know, make you familiar and normalize, you know, you as a person to someone who might have misconceptions of you. But it also creates a space that people otherwise just might not have in their life. They might not have that margin in their life. Mm -hmm. And so I find what you were doing, not just novel, not just fascinating, um, but in a way, and, and again, uh, forgive me, I don't know as much about Islam as I do about Christianity, but there, there's something about it that's sacred space, something mm -hmm. that's righteous about about Absolutely. what you're doing. And so um, I hope there are a lot of stories. I mean, that's just one story from, from what I, I'm doing, and you've told stories of what you're doing, you've told stories of what you guys are doing. So I hope that as this moves out and rolls out over all 50 states and maybe even our territories like Puerto Rico and Guam, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> um, that uh, that there would be a multitude of stories like that. So anyway. Wow. Yeah. No. In, in Islam, um, forgive me, I don't remember which prophet, but there was, I think it was Prophet Ibrahim, um, who uh, always ate with someone. He would find anyone to eat with him um, and he would never eat alone. So I think that's pretty profound and significant for us to remember. Mm, yeah. Wow. Well, that's beautiful. Um, really amazing experiences. And thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, thank you. I mean, you took like a really, I mean, a heartbreaking kind of moment and you turned it into something positive. And these are, this is something that, I mean, as you're going to be expanding it, anybody can do this. Anyone can open their home. Um, if you can't cook, then you can have a potluck. Right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, yeah. we but you do, guys can right? cook. <laughs> I was like, maybe not everybody can cook. Or maybe don't use the low fat. No, I saw ratatouille. Milk. That should be like discontinued. I saw ratatouille. <laughs> Everyone can cook. Anybody yeah. can cook. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so true. Yeah, that's true. You know, right. it's like it's it's such a special experience. And again, want to thank you for coming all the way with little baby Hannah. Thank and you. we're so happy to have you. Um, I'm so happy that I had this chance to share your voice and your story. Thank you so um, much. Thank you so much. And to our listeners, please um, subscribe to our um, to the podcast through iTunes or you can follow us on the website www.podcastdetroit.com and go to um, shows and unsung heroes follow us on our Facebook page for updates and please share share the podcast and the shows um, and we love hearing from you so any feedback um, would be awesome um, but thank you so much for tuning in and thank you to all my guests here today and hope to see you next time on another episode of unsung heroes oh!